If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. Usually on the Lord's Supper night, I preach uh, less than 45 minutes, but uh, no telling. But I appreciate so much uh, the good music. I was thinking about that Christ-honored music. We didn't have smoke signals going up. We didn't have um, rock and roll music, and we didn't have uh, flares and uh, fireworks, but we had Christ-honored music. And I don't think it's dead at all. I think it's right. I think it's proper. I think it's appropriate. I don't think we ought to bring the world into the church. Do you? Amen. All right, let's stay in all the Word of God, and I'm going to read the same verses I read this morning, but we're going to get to verse 26 and 27, and we'll get through James when we get through. Amen. Somebody gave me a chocolate bar. I ought to eat it right now in 55 minutes, but I'll, I won't do it. I'll wait to after and have it for dessert. It says, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's a danger. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For beholdeth himself, he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way. It's like a glance. And straightway forgetteth what matter man he was. But whosoever looketh, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a sturdy look, a, a, a gaze into the perfect law of liberty, continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless. There's a lot of fatherless children in Georgia. To visit the fatherless and the widows, in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the good song service, the good Lord's Supper. Lord, it's all for you. And Lord, I believe you've been glorified through it all. And God, I appreciate our musicians. I appreciate those that sing songs with a message. And I thank you, dear God, for uh, this message you've laid on my heart. I pray that you give me holy boldness to preach it, but compassion. God, help us not to be superficially religious. But God help us to have a supernatural relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do pray uh, for Brother Billy as he's on his way uh, to Kansas and then to Poland. pray that you would uh, protect all our servicemen. God, we pr pray for peace. And Lord, we know that peace is going to come when the Prince of Peace uh, lands on this earth. And God, you'll rule and reign for a thousand years. God, thank you so much for your word. Now help us to be mature Christians. Help us to be real. God, help us to be right. Help us, God, not be fake or phony. God, help us just to be real. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I preached on pure religion means practicing the Word. First of all, there's examination. Looketh into the Word of God. Looketh into the perfect law of liberty. The reason it's called the law of liberty, it sets you free from the peer pressure of this world it sets you free from the law, and it sets you free to be in God's will and to be like God. It's not just seeing the Word or reading the Word. It's meditating on it and letting it be a part of you. Then second of all, there's restoration. I don't know if you got the picture of the laver between the um, brazen altar and the holy place where they sacrifice once a year on the Day of Atonement. He took off that beautiful robe, picturing him coming from heaven, to die on this earth in a linen ephod, wrapped in flesh, 
But that laver was made out of women's looking glasses. In other words, that was the mirrors of that day. And it was shiny, silver, and folks, then they put the water in it. And so not only through the Word of God do we examine our lives and see ourselves as God sees us, but thank God we can be restored and washed and cleansed and forgiven. How many glad that you're forgiven tonight? Say amen. You know, some of us, I said us, have really blown it. In other words, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. We deserve hell and we deserve judgment and we don't even deserve to be alive. But God spared us and God uh, forgave us and we have the assurance of salvation. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. And then I see, last but not least, we see the transformation. The transformation. The Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's Romans 12, verse 2. The first verse says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And no way on this earth can you be transformed unless you present. You present your body. And folks, the only way you can present your body properly is scripturally. And let God examine you. Let God restore you. Let God cleanse you. And praise God, uh, we take off that veil. I love the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If you'll turn with me there, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And I'll try to be uh, right to the point tonight. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, some powerful verses about the power of the Word of God. The Bible says, uh, where, the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, a lot of people take that out of context and think you can become less human and roll down the aisle and be immodest, ladies, and do all kinds of crazy things, speak in some unknown tongue and Nobody understand you and that there's this liberty to do anything you feel like doing. No, there's not liberty to do anything you feel like doing. You're at liberty to do whatever God wants and what God says. And if it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But I love verse 18 for it says, But we all with open face beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord are changed unto the image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. That means, friend, as we look into the Word of God, we can be changed. And when Moses was in the presence of God, his face shone. And he was afraid that they would see the, uh, the, the uh, shining brilliance of the reflection of God fade, so he put a veil over his face. And the Bible goes on to tell about this veil, folks. And listen, we know that we're not kept by the law, and we're not... Uh, saved by the law, we are educated that we are sinners and we need to be saved by grace. But as we look into the perfect Word of God, we are changed. That word in the Greek is metamorphi, where we get the word metamorphosis. And folks, it's a miracle that a grub worm can become a butterfly. But here's a greater miracle, that an old sinner like me become a saint of God and saved, sanctified, thrill-filled, and satisfied and used by God. That's a miracle. And that's a miracle of being born again. And sometimes a butterfly is an image of that. But folks, we'll never be like Jesus unless we stay in the Word and not just glance at the Word, but look at the Word, not, not have amnesia when we see the Word, and folks, not walk away forgetting what we've heard and forgetting uh, what we've read, but let the Word of God truly be engrafted in our souls 
And folks, we be the kind of first fruits of His creation. In other words, we're like Jesus. But I want to close this, this message by saying, friend, there's a difference in superficial religion and supernatural relationship. We can't afford to play church tonight. We can't afford to go through the motions. That's why I do not apologize for preaching against this modern-day contemporary movement that's entertainment-oriented. And it's one service a week, and it's an entertainment, it's a staged production. It's sometimes they advertise in the paper they're looking for a praise team. Folks, we want to advertise in the paper. We get humble servants that want to praise God through song and through their talents. I'm still praying for a violin. Amen. Not a fiddle, a violin. Praise God for the orchestra. Amen. You play that, let me know after the service. Bring your little capo or whatever you need to do it. Praise God. Amen. But anyway, uh, if it's seen, listen, listen, uh, superficiality is dangerous. People that think they're saved when they're not, they're hard to get saved. Say amen. You ever witnessed to a Catholic lately? You ever witnessed to a Mormon lately? You ever witnessed to a Baptist lately? <laughs> I mean, those church members are hard to get lost because they've been in, uh, their mama's buried out back. What in the world's that got to do with anything? Mama's buried out back. Praise God. I mean, I'm glad she's buried. Somebody asked me if we're going to have a cemetery. I said, no, we're going to have a ball field. Amen. <laughs> I don't want no cemetery on this, on this property. I'd like to have a track so all of us can stay alive a little longer. Say amen. <laughs> y'all for it. Amen. I ain't going to have a because y'all fight over which, which one's the best plot, and we ain't going to split over no plot. Amen. But I want to tell you something. Friend. People go to church for odd reasons. Oh, I like the building. Like, you know, and some people like the show. But I want to tell you something, that ought to be real, real, real relationship. That ought to be a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, I want to tell you something, if it's not real, it's superficial, so it lacks reality. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It didn't say anything about religion. Now let's look at verse 26 and let's finish this chapter uh, before Jesus sounds the trumpet. It says, and if any man among you seem to be religious... I want you to look at that phrase, seems to be religious. And folks, it also says, And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is in vain. That means empty. And folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people have a superficial lack of reality. I mean, they're not living in reality. The reality is, uh, they're not saved, but they want to convince themselves they're saved. And then they have no evidence of being saved. No fruit. And so the first thing is, a superficial religion, a religion that's vain, is, uh, lacks reality. There's just no reality to it. And then second of all, it lacks restraint. Bridleth not his tongue. If you're saved, you're going to show it. Amen? And I want to say something. One of the ways that you're going to show it is your mouth is going to be different. When, when Isaiah got saved, he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Why was that significant? I won't tell you why it's significant. Because words are issued from the heart. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. The Bible says you did. And a lot of people say, well, I didn't, I was just talking. Well, you better watch it because something's in your heart doing the talking. I'll prove it scripturally. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 through 35. Some of the most convincing uh, scriptures in the Bible about how your words tell on your heart. If you have dark words, you've got a dark heart. 
you come to this church and you're critical, especially during this time where we're sensing revival, people are you've got something wrong with your heart. Your heart. Look at this, verse 34, Matthew 12. You with me? I want you to see this now. This is so wonderful. It says, oh, well, all the Word of God's wonderful. Say amen. It says, oh, generation of vipers. Now, folks, listen, I've been pretty blunt and pretty straight, but I've never called any of you snakes. Amen? I don't think you could take it. I don't think I could take it. Don't you come over and call me a snake, and I ain't a snake handler either. Amen? Go to L.J. and handle snakes. There's somebody from L.J. that's going to be offended by that. Uh, go to the mountains and handle snakes. I ain't handling snakes. That's taking the Scripture out of context. Mark 16, 16. It says Paul handled a snake. It was a poisonous, venomous snake that bit him, and he didn't die. Proved that he was an apostle. And folks, listen, that was an apostolic gift, which has faded away, say amen. It's a sign of apostle. So people are going around handling rattlesnakes because of that one verse out of context. That's how you can take the Word of God out of context. Now, folks, I don't believe like the NIV taking all the... For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let's go on now. Best common Bible. Look at verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the treasures, out of evil treasures, bringeth forth evil things. In other words, he called your heart a treasure chest. And I want to tell you something, friend. You need to be careful what you put in your heart. That's why pornography is deadly, aggressive, and addictive. You put that in your heart, you're in trouble. Matter of fact, it'll lead to adultery. It'll lead to fornication. It'll lead to perversion. It'll lead to child molestation. I'm telling you, pornography is wicked, and it's a multi-multi-billion dollar business in America. Get rid of it. Have accountability. Get something watching your computer. Let your wife see your computer. Keep the doors open to your teenager with a computer. You say, oh, you don't trust them? I don't trust myself. Amen? I believe, friend, there's a lot of people delving into uh, pornography, and that's why they are sinning against their wife and against their husband. And folks, it's deadly. It's addictive. It's aggressive. Where did that garbage come? Well, you put it in there. I believe that you ought to listen to the right kind of music. I believe if you listen to ungodly music, you will have ungodly thoughts, and those thoughts will turn into words, and those words will turn into actions. And I'm going to tell you something. You won't grow spiritually. You won't be sanctified for His glory. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. Put the treasures in the heart. It says, it says a good man out of the good treasures of his heart. What's those treasures? That's your Thoughts. That's the Word. That's good treasures. You ought to hear it all the time. You ought to memorize it. You ought to listen to good gospel music. Gospel. Amen? Amen. A lot of people listen to this honky-tonk. I was so tickled at Brother Lamar. He said he used to be a honky-tonk listener. And he'd sip beer. I can't picture that. Praise God, you must have been 10 years old. And he's talking about that. And man, we all sit there and Brother Mar sipping beer, listening to some guy ride off on the pony with another man's wife. But he did. That's what he was into, honky-tonk music. Garbage in, garbage out. When I was at Georgia State University, I took a program, program 
uh, program, what do you call it? Programmer course. Thank you. <laughs> if I lose a word, I just point to Andrew. He's got it. Amen. A computer course. At that time, we were, it was so long ago that we'd have uh, punch cards, and this computer would be big as this room, and we'd go in there and put our program in. And then one time, I programmed a, a program. I programmed something. Anyway, you can tell I didn't do too good in that class. Uh, <laughs> I passed. Amen. I didn't fail anything except English. But um, I, I remember the, the, the program came back, and it was G-I-G-O on it. And I thought, my word, what is this? G-I-G-O. G-I-G-O. So I finally got up the nerve, asked the professor. I said, professor, what's this G-I-G-O mean? He said, garbage in, garbage out. I never forgot that. You put garbage in your mind, you're going to have garbage out your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, the heart's not the pump. The heart is you, body, soul, and spirit. Mind, will, emotion. That's all the heart of man. And folks, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because I trusted in thee. Isaiah 26, verse 3. I'm telling you, friend, we need to make sure that our words and our meditation are proper. Turn to Psalms chapter 19. I'm going to tell you something. You want to have pure religion, you need to have a pure heart. Amen? Folks, this is old-fashioned. It's not popular. And thank God you came back for some more of it. But I want to tell you something. A lot of people, they want a little dab of do you Christianity. They want the preacher to always preach something positive. They don't want any H word. It's even advertised in the paper. We don't mention the H word. They're talking about hell. Well, how in the world can you not uh, be warned of hell if he never mentions it? And we don't use the S word. What's that? Sin. Folks, they advertise that junk in the paper. You know what I'd say? You ain't going to have my time. And I ain't going to a place where I can't hear the whole word of God. Doctors diagnose some things, and you better thank God they do. But Psalms uh, chapter 19. uh, Y'all there? I'm preaching. I'm not there, but I'll be there. Amen? Psalms 19. The Bible says this. I want to start with uh, verse um, uh, 8. Psalms 19. You with me? The Bible says, The statues of the Lord are right. Can somebody say amen there? Rejoicing what? Folks, the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions. Folks, the commandments of the Lord are what? Is pure, pure. This is pure word, praise God. Enlightening the eyes. That's what you want. You want your eyes to be illuminated. Amen? One time a deacon was praying for the evangelist and said, Dear God, eliminate the evangelist's mind. <laughs> he was up there on the platform and said, Lord, please don't. i got a half a mind now. He meant illuminate his mind. Don't eliminate it. Amen. Rejoice in the heart, the commandments of pure, enlightening the eyes. And listen to this. This is what I love. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. Hey, don't you tell me that the old-fashioned Christians are having less fun than the world. Folks, we have clean fun. Say amen. Last week, I about killed myself out on that volleyball court. I was hobbling home. I said I was tired, but I was injured. But I said, man, if my feet are going to hurt, I'm going to go down swinging with the youth. Praise God. I just let her rip. And I'm intense when it comes to sports. I have to calm down. Somebody calm me down because I was spiking the ball too much or something. I never did do like Derek and... Vinny, they were spiking it hard. I was afraid it was going to hurt the women. They didn't care. Boom, you know. I was, you know. But listen, 
Listen, I'm going to tell you something, friend. We're not playing church around here, and we're not just here for a game. We're not here just for ice cream. Folks, we're here for the whole truth because it's clean. But it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a miracle. It's merriment. It's joy. Folks, and we look at like a mule looking at a new gate. Brother Lamar referred to that this morning. And folks, we ought to be happy Christians. And we ought to be excited, but you're not going to be happy until you're holy. I mean, sin's a leech. Sin drains the joy right out of your life. And the reason that David committed such a terrible sin, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time when kings should go lead their armies after the spring rain. He stayed, looked out on the palace, saw a naked woman taking a bath, and he lusted after her. He killed the husband, tried to cover it up, but the thing just pleased the Lord. And it all started when he despised the Word of God. When God told him to do something, lead the army. He said, no, I'm going to do the sin of omission. The sin of omission always leads to the sin of commission. You start skipping church, my friend, you might think you can handle it. And you might think you're Mr. Spiritual, but I'm going to tell you something. You stop reading your Bible, you stop praying, and you stop coming to church regularly and faithfully, you're on dangerous ground. How many can testify to that? Brother Pete, you was out for 30 years, weren't you? 30 years. Why? Because he decided he wasn't going to go. He said he'd skip on Wednesday night. He said he'd skip on Sunday night. Now he don't skip nothing. Praise God, I appreciate his dedication. It's not easy coming by yourself. And I want to tell you this, friend. The devil will try to set up a ploy to keep you from the house of God. Because it's the Word of God that's preached. Say amen. And it's necessary. And it's enlightening. But folks, it calls you to fear God. And folks, the fear of God, the fear of God is the greatest place to be because then you're enlightened and you're, and you're pure and you glorify God and you have wisdom. What's wisdom? Seeing the end of sin. Folks, if half of us could just see the end of sin, we wouldn't go near it. If we saw losing our children and losing our marriage, losing our sanity and losing our health, we wouldn't touch it. Wisdom is seeing the end of sin. But it's also seeing the Scripture as God's Word. It's a mirror, it's a map, it's a mold, it's meat, it's the image of God. It's milk. I don't even like milk, but I like this milk. Amen. Folks, listen. Let's go on and read it. I'm running out of time. Oh, I love verse 10. More to be desired are the, than gold. Woo! When you start loving the Word of God more than you love money, you're on the way to spiritual growth. Amen? But wait a minute. Much more than that. It says, much than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Hey! Listen to me now. Look up here. We're not, we're not praying. When you start loving the Word of God more than you love to eat, you're on the, you're on the, you're on the road to spiritual growth. Amen? I announce a dinner on the grounds and praise God. People come flowing in here. I don't even know them. I don't ever... I don't even advertise it on the paper anymore. Praise God, we'll have people come in here. Where's the food? I said, sit in this pew. We'll tell you where the food is. <laughs> Amen. I want to say that. Amen. They come by every day, and we got a food covered. Praise God, bring the canned goods, bring the stuff. I thank God for it. We feed the hungry. Those little kids break Jason's heart. He takes them back there and uh, feeds the family. We know that uh, uh, there's three cell phones in the car and seven packs of Winston's and 
And you know, we know that, from the, you know, but we'll feed them anyway, amen? But I want to tell you what I do a lot of times. I look at them and say, hey, listen, next time you come, we want you to come to give. And they say, what? We got to pay for this? I said, no, come give God the glory. Come worship the Lord. Come asking God to use you to give instead of get. I do it. Praise God, it's our food. It's time to preach, amen? But I'll tell you what, uh, some of them look at me saying, well, okay, we, uh, well, we can't come. Well, they made it down here to get the food, say amen. Don't start on this. But it said, listen, sweeter than honeycomb. Look at verse 11. Moreover, by them is the servant warned. You're warned by the word of God. Listen to this. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. Great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from the secret faults. Hey, you want to get thoroughly right with God when nobody's around? Stay in the word. Amen? Girls, you know what you ought to do? That guy's trying to get all over you and touch you and do things you shouldn't do. You ought to put your Bible between him and, and, uh, him and you on a date, and he'll have to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to you. <laughs> Woo! I'll preach. Amen. Praise God. Just take your Bible on a date. You say, oh, he'll think I'm a weirdo. Well, you shouldn't be dating him then. Say amen. Praise God. I ought to thank God somebody shows up with the Word of God on a date. Where are we going? Church. <laughs> First date. Amen. Let's go on. We'll do dating later. Not me, y'all. The single guy. <laughs> Who can understand his errors? Because thou, listen to this. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and they will. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Great transgression. Sin will take you lower than you ever thought it would. But here's the verse I'm trying to get to. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Did you see that? It says that you're going to have a, a heart that's acceptable. You've got to have meditation that's acceptable. So I want to tell you something. Superfluity, superfluity uh, excuse me, uh, superficial. That's a word back up in verse 24. I mean, a garden that's full of weeds is the picture of a guy that sees the word, hears the word, and he does not do it. But so, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It, superficial religion is there, it lacks reality. It's just not there. But it lacks restraint. The Bible says on Philippians 4.8 that you ought to think on these things, whatsoever pure, whatsoever lovely. That'll be over every TV set. If it's bad, you ought to change it. That's what a, that's what a changer's for, say amen. Um, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. In the Welch revival, something a miracle took place. In 1857, it started with a prayer meeting. And it grew to thousands and even millions were saved and went overseas in 1906 in the Welch revival. And revival broke out. Revival broke out so much they put a white glove on the... Uh, uh, the bench of the judge because there was no trial, there was no, 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 no sin, no, no crime. That's real revival, say amen. But then I'll tell you what a real sign of revival was. The mines, the Welsh, and during the Welsh revival now over in Ireland and, and um, England, the mines had to shut down, the coal mines. Why? Because the mules could not understand their master. Because they got saved. Some of them got saved, they stopped cussing. And since they stopped cussing, 
the mules couldn't understand what they were saying. Hallelujah. Praise God. These old big old long-eared mules had enough sense to say, they've been cussing. Now they ain't cussing. I don't know what to do. Amen. Had to shut the things down. Folks, praise God. One time a lady, she came up, she was the biggest gossip in the church. She came up to the uh, pastor and said, Pastor, I've been gossiping. He knew it. I've been destroying everybody in this church. I'm terrible. I shouldn't be doing this. And he said, she said, I just feel like, I just feel like I need to put my tongue on the altar. He said to himself, it's only 24 foot. Try it. Amen. <laughs> hey, friend, listen. Some of us need to put our tongues on the altar, but you'll never put your tongue on the altar until you put your heart on the altar. Get your heart right. And then number three, uh, superficial religion lacks results. Look at verse 26. Let's get back there real quick. Real quick. It says, pure religion undefiled before God. No, excuse me. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and brought not his tongue, but deceive his own heart, the man's religion is in vain. Brought not his tongue. But then it says it's in vain. You know what that means? It's fruitless. I want to tell you this. You'll know a Christian by their fruit. Christianity is not another religion. It's a vital relationship. When you abide and His words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done in you. John 15, 7. And verse, 15, verse 8 says that you, that you might glorify God. So you're abiding. There's fruit. Religion is not simple. Religion is simply an outward expression of what's on the inside. And it's not what's on the inside, it's who's on the inside. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. And folks, when you have Christ in you, praise God, it's a relationship that's supernatural. You ought to know you're saved. But let me just say this. Everybody around you ought to know you're saved. And I know a lot of religious people, but they're not saved. I know so many religious people in this town, they think they're saved because they got money, because they have their name on the first church or the second or the third. It doesn't save them. They've been baptized. The folks religious but lost is a tragedy. They go to church. They pay tithes. They sing in the choir. And then they die and go to hell. It's a tragedy. So three things, three things, lack of restraint, lack of reality, and lack of results proves that you have a superficial religion. Now let me close with this. What's the delights of a supernatural relationship? Verse 20 tells us, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. Number one, it reaches up to God, the Father, and it's before God. It recognizes God as your Father. Guess who your Father was before you were saved? John 8, 44. The devil. You belong to the wrong family. You were born with an Adamic nature. But don't you love John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12? Turn there with me, please. John 1, 11 and 12. Superficial or supernatural? I don't want anything superficial. John 1.11 says, He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But look at verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power 
to become what? The sons of God, even of them that believe on His name. Folks, it's before God. It's a relationship with God. The lost hear the Word, they believe the Word, they receive the Word, and they're transformed by the Word. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23 that we're born of the incorruptible seed of the Word and the Spirit. Folks, Ephesians 2 says that we're saved by grace. Not of works. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works. It's a gift of God. Not of works. And then verse 10 says, we're His workmanship. So it's, it's a relationship with God. Number two, it reaches outward. Now this is what I want to just close with. It says, pure religion, none defiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. It's having compassion. My daughter, to my amazement, Stephanie, she's always been one just with a lot of heart. She's our strong-willed child. She's a twin. She's nothing like her brother. And her brother's nothing like her. But I want to tell you something. She is a fireball for God as far as compassion and wanting to do something. And uh, now she's just passed her home study. They got three kids and they want to take in foster kids. I said, you, are you sure? Brother Mark says you can't whip them. What are you going to do there? Mark said, if I couldn't have whooped Chase and Tyler, it would have never made it. He beat the devil out of it. No, not really. But, but. But friend, listen. There's 13,000 kids in foster system in Georgia. 4,430 licensed foster parents in Georgia. If my math's right, that's 8,500 kids in orphans, orphanages, homes, group homes. I took CJ, after I couldn't handle him, took him in my home, thought I could break the guy. I thought I could, you know, I couldn't touch him because of the rules and regulations. I threatened him a few times, but um, couldn't touch him, couldn't whip him, couldn't, couldn't spank him. That's biblical. Proverbs seven times says it. But I'd take them to these homes and these homes, oh man. It was a, just a regular old home and have 10, 15 kids in it. Folks, the Bible says pure religion is open up your home to the fatherless. Hey, let me just say this, Brother John. Pure religion is having a bus ministry. You know, there's a lot of people that have left this church because of bus kids. And you know what I tell them? Bye. Because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loves poor kids, bus kids, rich kids, white kids, black kids, and Hispanic kids. And we are too if we're right with God. And the moment we don't, that's when I won't be pastor of this church because we've become a religious society. Folks, if you have pure religion, you visit the fatherless. You visit the widows. In other words, you have compassion that gets on the street. You have compassion that makes a difference. So you reach outward. Luke chapter 10. Now my time's up. I don't know how in the world my time's up. Luke chapter 10. Good Samaritan. He's going down the road. The Levite 
and the Pharisee were religious. But what did they do? They saw the guy in the ditch dying and they walked on by. That's the average religious institute. But the Good Samaritan, picture of Jesus, he went down in the ditch. He pulled, up, he pulled that old yellow mule called a bus down there beside him and said, hey, listen, get in. We're going to the motel called the Haven of Rest, the church. And he paid the fare thereof. And praise God, I believe the first thing the Good Samaritan uh, rescued uh, victim did was when he got out, he wanted to know more about the Good Samaritan. He went to church, amen. I know I'm symbolizing a little bit of it, but praise God, friend, I'm going to tell you something. You was nothing but dead in your sins and trespasses when somebody came to you. And how dare we not go to them? And how dare we get stagnant and cut out our missions? Folks, we've given millions and millions of dollars to missions. We could have built a cathedral with that money. We could have had the most beautiful Ephesus that you ever seen. It have made the Muslim little old tower up there look like a shack of the money we spent on missions. But I'm going to tell you something. God didn't call us to build cathedrals. God called us to build churches where there is not the gospel. Missions is God's heartbeat. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Pure religion is not sitting on your blessed assurance trying to get a bigger cathedral and a bigger organ and a bigger show it's building churches and reaching souls and telling people that's never heard about Jesus that there is hope and there is love. It's cranking up the old van and going out and being late for the orchestra and saying, come on, get in. We're going to go to Sunday night church. I was up at Hiles Anderson one time at pastor school and this guy got up and preached for 15 minutes on Jesus rode the night bus. I said, what in the world, Brother Benny, is he preaching on? Jesus would run the night bus. What the night bus was, was the buses that went to Chicago at night. It was risky. It was taking your life in your own hands. Chicago people shoot each other just by saying hello. And he said Jesus would run the night bus. He said he would risk his life to go get these kids off the street and bring them to the First Baptist Church Hammond, Indiana. I had to get an interpretation for that but I guarantee it's right here. We visit, we visit, we visit, we visit the fatherless and the widows, and we don't settle on our blessed assurance and wonder why they're not coming. We care. And we go where people are. And we touch lives. Folks, let me tell you this. They're not going to come just because we have a nice building. They're not going to come because of this preacher. They're not going to come because you're such a great Sunday school teacher. They're going to come because you go to them. Because they don't know they need to come until you go and tell them. With pure religion, I love you. God loves you. And there's hope out of this. You can literally escape from this bad heritage through Christ and become His child. Some of you never visited in your life in this church since I've been pastor. You ought to try it. It'll change your life. When you finally go and see and touch and love those where they live. That's pure religion. That's real religion. That's a real relationship. Then last but not least, it reaches not only upward, relationship with God, and outward, 
reaching souls and reaching the, un, the unheard, the ones that's never heard, but it's reaching inward. Look at the last phrase. We're going to close this chapter right now. It says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's separation. One time I was listening to Brother Phil Kidd preach. I don't particularly like him. But anyway, it was a good message on the flesh. It was on a bulldog, very unstrange bulldog. The bulldog played with ducks. The bulldog loved ducks. And I remember the pastor, it was a pastor that had the pit bulldog and had the ducks. He said, this is a different pit bulldog. This pit bulldog loves my ducks. They chained him to a, excuse me, a clothesline. That's always cruel to do it to a dog. Amen. I believe you ought to let them run free in a closed-in backyard. Say amen. Praise God. Let them go under the, under the thing and electrocute them if they go under. Amen. That's what I do. They don't, do, they don't go under but once. And by the way, you can turn the electricity off because they don't know you turned it off. But anyway, uh, we won't get into that. Somebody, somebody from animal rights will be showing up tomorrow. But anyway, he said that he, he was so proud that this pit bull played with his ducks. But then he brought Brother Kid home one day and the ducks were strode all over the place. They were all killed. They were slaughtered by a little pit bulldog. <laughs> and he said, what happened? And I won't tell you what happened to that bulldog. He was playing with one of the ducks and he got the taste of blood in his mouth. Folks, don't play with sin. You'll never come back from it sometimes. And it'll accentuate the flesh where you're never satisfied with what God has ordained. And folks, you'll get the taste of blood. Folks, pure religion is a pure heart. It springs with living water. It, it is not spotted. Folks, there's friendship, James 4, 4, with the world. There's a love of the world, James, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And then the Bible says, be not conformed to the world, Romans 12, 1 and 2. But last but not least, the Bible says you can be condemned with the world. That don't mean you lose your salvation. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two. 32. It means you lose your testimony. Lot lost his testimony. He lost his girls. He lost his wife. Folks, he lost it all. But he didn't lose his salvation, the Bible says in 1 Peter. It vexed his soul. So Jesus was unspotted. He didn't have a blemish on him. He was the pure Lamb of God. Read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Folks, I want to tell you something. God help us. God help us to know that we're saved. A man named H.L. Trying to find his first name. He doubted his salvation and doubted his salvation and doubted his H.L. Cox. Doubted his salvation. Just continually doubted his salvation. He had trouble with this doubt. I don't know if you ever had that. I haven't had that problem, but some people have that problem about doubting their salvation. And he wrote a song. He wrote a beautiful, powerful song. I'm working on it. If somebody will play it, I will sing it. Uh, and it's, it's a great song. And folks, I want to tell you something. It goes something like this. Oh, how well do I remember how I doubted day by day. For I did not know for certain that my sins were washed away. When the Spirit tried to tell me, I would, I would not the truth receive. I endeavored to be happy 
and to make myself believe. And then he wrote that chorus. You've heard the song. But it's real, it's real. Oh, I know it's real. Praise God, the doubts are settled. For I know, I know it's real. Is it real to you? It ought to be real religion. It ought to be a real relationship. It ought to be a relationship that's unspotted from the world. A relationship that reaches out to the world. But it's a relationship that reaches up to God. And you have a relationship with the living God, Christ, in your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it is real. And thank you, dear God, that we can search for assurance in every fashion and in every form. But God, it comes through living a Christ-like life and seeing fruit that abounds for your glory. God, help us. Help us, dear God, to take this message to heart and to realize that, God, you've saved us to have pure religion, undefiled, not vain, not empty, visiting the fatherless and the widows and keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. God, help us have a real relationship because the Word of God has filled our hearts to overflow it, that even our tongue is bridled. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to my heart about a real relationship.